Welcome. You're listening to Value Add with Lars Coburn, bringing conversations and reflections that add value to your life. Well, hello, everyone. Whether it's morning, noon, or night, or some time that you listen to podcasts, whether you're walking, working, or just uh, driving in the car, I'm thankful that you're tuned in to this podcast. And if you listen to it at normal speed, uh, blessings to you. If you listen to it at two times the speed, uh, also blessings to you as you hear these conversations. This one is near and dear to my heart because it is a friend and mentor of mine who has added a lot of value to my life. And so privileged to have recorded a couple podcasts at Teen Camp this summer uh, in, through the midst of our busyness and, and different activities that we were doing while we were leading small groups um, or games or just having mealtime conversations with students. Uh, we also uh, took a, just a short time to record a podcast. And so this is with Jack Williamson, uh, who is a spiritual formation minister out at the Ganeo Valley Church of Christ. And uh, he was one of the first uh, real mentors in my life when I moved to California. I had known a little bit about him, and I knew that uh, through the lunches at Pepperdine, where we got to, as youth ministers, connect all over from around the country, and I was kind of this new youth minister uh, moving to California, anticipating my move to California, and I came to the lunch, and Jack welcomed me, and I knew right away that I wanted to be part of the great things that uh, he was doing in encouraging youth ministers and ministers around the area. So I hope that this podcast where Jack shares some things about life and about ministry, uh, about spiritual formation, about raising three kids in a youth ministry who many have come on to be in ministry themselves. Um, And so uh, he's just a tremendous mentor in my life. So blessings on you as you hear this podcast and may it add value to your life. We're here at SoCal Teen Camp for uh, an episode of the podcast, and I've got finally getting Jack Williamson on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So Jack, I've had a couple other youth minister friends of ours on the podcast, and we've talked a little bit about the the youth ministry mafia, which is where we met. Yep. Um, But we have something more in common than some of the other guys in the mafia. The Great Um, Northwest. The Great Northwest, yeah. So uh, let's just... um, have you share a little bit about who you are and, uh, okay. and what you what you do and what brought you from Oregon all the way down to California? Well, I started off in Southern Oregon uh, and um, grew up in a small, very conservative church and didn't know exactly what I wanted to do and got into uh, high school. Actually, I don't know how deep you want me to go, but I, uh, my dad died when I was 13. Mm. He was an elder in my church. He was a big leader, and, and I observed there took four or five men to do all the things that dad had been doing, and I kind of thought, wow at once that's kind of cool and kind of sad you know where were they while he was alive and so that became part of my model for you know be someone who is is busy working and not just out there doing stuff Um, but through my high school years I didn't have much of a a mentor and um, got into a lot of things that weren't always good I was a a leader at church Um, on one side on the other side I was well known for the guy that we're gonna go try to you know get our hands on whatever we can for the weekend to have a good time and um, I got into a band and I was playing bass and I was a lead singer and it's going to be a rock star and um, uh, that's really who I was heading out of high school into college. Mm-hmm. Went to be a music major, music performance on vocals and I was learning to play everything I could and and uh, ran into a bunch of people who were musicians and realized I had everything it takes to be a rock star except talent. 
Um, so hmm. at that point I realized this isn't my gig, this isn't my gift. Um, but there were people in my high school years, band directors, choir directors who poured into me and I thought that they made me feel like I was valuable more than anybody else almost, except for this one preacher that his name was Harold Clark, great guy, um, who uh, fed into me as well. And so I had those two models, kind of this preacher guy and this choir director. Um, and I decided, okay, what am I gonna do with the rest of my life? Uh, I'll shift to music education. That mm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. And uh, and did that for a while and still had an inconsistent ear. So, you know, I was good at this, not good at this, good at this, not good at this. And, and finally one summer a guy said to me, Greg Woods comes and says, I think you should be my intern. And I said, I don't know what that is. What do you do? He says, I'm a youth minister. I said, I don't know what that is, but talk to me. He says, well, we'll put you up in a house with a family, give you a free room and board, and you hang out with high school kids all summer. And I went, I get paid for this? Let's do it. And so <laughs> that's where God kind of took my desire for education and to, to bless kids and married it with the idea of this preacher guy that made a difference in my life. And, and that kind of turned the corner. And I went into full-time youth ministry and have been there ever since. It's uh, almost 30 years now. Um, wow. So, I mean, ministry. I'm, I'm working on, uh, I guess, four full-time years, six youth ministry years, if you count my two part-time. They were... I was the part-time youth minister is almost more like an internship, you know, yeah. but um, there was no mentor there really, and uh, and yet, man, I can't imagine that uh, that many years, and yet you are still so fresh. I mean, we're up here at the end of the teen camp. You were out there playing the paint war. Well, I have um, a blast with those kids. Yeah. So, and I know my wife was your small group co um, co leader, and she just always is impressed by your preparedness for anything, um, help the conversation move forward, you're creative. Um, so you really, uh, and maybe we tease you too much when we call you the godfather of the group, but we really do look up to you and I think those, um, those years have been well spent for sure. Uh, I was gonna ask you how many years it was, so almost 30 years, uh, and how many of those at Conejo Valley? Because I know you're quite yeah. a while at the one church. Yeah, right? yeah, I, I started off in, um, uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, in my full-time ministry in 1987. And so I guess <laughs> this is 31 years of ministry, actually, full-time. Wow. And uh, went to grad school in Abilene, and we're heading back to the Northwest and got stuck in Southern California. Um, we came to Thousand Oaks in 1993, thinking we'd be here five years. And here we are, what is that, 26 years later? Mm. Um, raised all three of my kids in the same house at the same church, and it's been a real blessing. So Wow. Um, yeah, and your your son is actually directing. Brendan's He's, yeah, directing. I'm blessed to have kids who've loved here. God and gone into ministry. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so great. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your your kids um, because you're you're not just uh, somebody who's been in ministry forever. You're actually uh, you have your doctorate in um, in ministry. Yeah, that's and right. And your emphasis was on. Spiritual formation and leadership. Okay, yeah. and you, I think you did some studies of, on adolescence as well? I did, as much as I could fit in there in the program at Fuller. It was a, a very kind of um, a la carte. I got to pick my own mm -hmm. kind of direction. I, I could have done a master's or a doctorate, uh, the D-man in youth and family, but I felt like I've been doing that for 25 years. Not that I didn't have anything to learn, but I needed a branch to another direction. Yeah. So I picked up uh, some courses in leadership and kind of thought through it in the tent. You know, how do I do this with teens and families? But it was mainly focusing on spiritual formation and a couple 
uh, courses in organic leadership development. And so that's kind of the way it went in that, yeah. that education. So let's, let, let uh, you know, let's pick your brain since you're the, the doctor here. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then more than that, you're like, cause our whole theme of the podcast and the project really is kind of asking people who are experts, but more people who've lived this. Um, mm. so they're practical experts, mm-hmm. uh, things that add value to your life. So, um, thinking about your kids and yeah. in ministry, one of the biggest questions that I often get now that I'm expecting a child and uh, even before that is how do you balance family? How do you not have your kids become the the typical kind of PK right. um, kid who's in the back running and as a terror and then, you know, just kind of goes, dad wasn't around or mom wasn't around. Yeah. And I, uh, I blame the church for that. So, I mean, you have three kids that were raised at the same church, mm-hmm. um, and now your son is interacting with you as almost a peer. I mean, that's yeah. that. To me, that's a success. It's so, a real blessing. It's a yeah. huge blessing. Yeah. So, talk a little bit about what were some of the things that you and Tammy did that yeah. made that um, kind of yeah. work. Well, it. I give Tammy a lot of credit for that. Uh, my wife Tammy is a huge blessing, and we decided that we're going into ministry. If I'm going to ministry, we're going into ministry together. And so um, growing up, or with my kids growing up, we decided that Tammy and the kids would be involved as much as possible, as long as the kids didn't hinder what was going on in ministry. Um, When I was on youth group time, the youth group was first. When I was off youth group time, the youth group knew my family was first. And, uh, And as my kids got old enough to understand this, they understood, and Tammy was very good at helping with this, that they get to be a part of devotionals or whatever's going on as long as they're not getting in the way of what dad's trying to do with the teens. Mm. And so um, they, they, in some retreats they went on with us, some retreat they didn't. Uh, then we got to a, a point where, you know, your group changes. I think about, mm. uh, every, about every two years is a generation in a youth group because the kids change so fast. So your kid that's a freshman, by the time he's a junior, he's not the same kid. And your whole group has changed. Mm-hmm. So you've got a new generation in those two years, even though you're going to have these kids six years from sixth to 12th grade. They are so quickly you know, changing and growing that the group changes. So I had a group at one point that just really resented having my kids around. Hmm. And instead of going, you're horrible kids, you can't do this, I kind of went, okay, they need space for my kids right now, and my kids need space from them. So we went through a period where my kids weren't involved with the youth group stuff at all. Um, and that was that's the rare point for us. Um, but I let my family and my kids know you're more important than this youth group to me because if, if I don't make it with you, we're not going to be, you know, that's not what we want. But at the same time, I let my youth group know I love you enough not to force my little kids on you every time. Hmm. So we're going to give you that space. It was a balance we had to constantly monitor and maintain. Then as my kids got older, I had the same conversation with every one of them. And when they were 10 years old, um, I took each of my boys, I have two boys and a girl, so the boys are older. When each of my boys got to be 10 years old, I took him out, just the two of us, on a weekend retreat. We talked about life, we talked about adolescence is coming, we had the sex talk, all that kind of stuff, at beginning at 10 years old, and then we carried those on. But at 10 years old, I said to them, okay, if I ask you this question right now, you'll answer differently than you will in three years. Mm-hmm. So. If, if there ever comes a day you'd want me, you don't want me as your youth minister, you need to let me know because I can do something else. And I'm gonna ask you that again when you're 13. And I'm gonna ask you that again when you're 16. And we kept that conversation going 
so that they always knew if there's ever a day that I want someone else besides dad to be my youth minister, dad will make that happen for me. Mm. And we were blessed that every one of our kids answered saying, I watched you do this with 100 or 200 or 300 kids my whole life growing up. I don't want to do it with anyone else but you. There are no greater words for a dad to hear, yeah. but I was ready to step aside and do something else if they needed to be somewhere else. And part of what made that work was I found people, uh, former youth group kids of mine who are now adults or other adults at church that I could ask to feed into my kids. Mm. And um, my oldest son wanted to play baseball. Baseball is not my sport. I don't have the vision to play baseball. But he had a good friend and a good friend of mine who's a phenomenal baseball player. I said, take him out and play baseball with him, please. Yeah. They did that, had a great time. Another guy who's great at working on cars and love cars, took Brendan and did all his car stuff with him. He's one of his mentors to this day. Those were the guys who filled in the non-dad youth minister for the son of a youth minister. Mm. I think those are important concepts. Yeah, no, that that's really important, really insightful for sure. Um, so you've named some people that have added value to your kid's life and how you kind of incorporated that and were intentional about that. Um, Thinking about yourself, so mm -hmm. who in your life has added value? Oh, it's, uh, I, I learned a long time ago that avoiding conflict will eat your lunch really mm -hmm. fast. And the, the conflict I think we want to avoid the most is our, the, the conflict of our own sin. And so I realized that I needed to have men outside of my ministry, outside of my church, that I could just vent with and lay things out who would also give me a mirror to look in and go, you're wrong. You need to change this, you need to do that. And so accountability was a huge thing. And I won't tell you the names of all those guys, uh, but I had men in my life for the last 25 years at Conejo, I have always had someone in my life that I'm meeting probably weekly with, hmm. just having breakfast, talking about how life's going. And as people have come and gone, moved and come in and gone out, it's been different men, but I always seek out one or two guys that I'm meeting with on a weekly basis who I say, look, this is where I need to be raw, I need to be open, and I need you to do the same thing, and you can trust me, and, and I'll trust you, let's lay it out. And if I didn't have that, I would have a hard time because my ego would get in the way, mm. or my secret sin would sneak up and eat my lunch. Mm -hmm. uh, and even, you know, don't be deceived that at 50 years old, you don't still have secret sins sneaking around. And so sharing this with people going, look, this is what's still kind of sitting at my back door and I've got grace and I'm taken care of and God is good, but, but without a brother holding me accountable, mm -hmm. I might have a more difficult time. That's been huge. That's yeah. one thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think about, you know, how college ministries often cultivate that accountability, but how that needs to stay as part of our discipline. Especially, it's a lifeline for ministers. Yeah. Especially in ministry. Because, you know, churches try and create those and craft those places where we can share and be vulnerable. But when you're the one trying to shepherd those people, and even if your responsibility like ours is not necessarily the other adults mm -hmm. in the room 100%, and so they might think, oh, no, you can be vulnerable with me. But we're still, they're still looking up to us, and we're still right. pastoring them in, right. in many ways. Um, and and also for our own sake, it's uh, it's kind of unhealthy almost to be expecting them to carry our burdens too. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so I, I, I agree that, that that's super helpful. And uh, and you actually have been a, a good um, encourager for mm -hmm. me and our youth ministry luncheons to to maintain and to keep those relationships kind of well-oiled, even yeah. though 
I've moved around a little bit. Well, you know. I appreciate that. One of the things that, that somebody said to me years ago, and I don't know where this came from, I don't remember who said it, but it just kind of stuck with me. I try to live it out that every godly man needs a Paul and a Timothy. And so I'm constantly looking for who's my Paul. And sometimes it's it's not anyone down the road ahead of me because I'm 55 and have been in, in full-time youth ministry. Who's down the road ahead of me in that? Um, uh, not that I'm the greatest or the best. I'm just you know the most haggard and have been here longest. Um, and But if I'm looking for that youth minister who's down the road ahead of me, it's not going to find it. But I've got guys in my life who's who have been through a lot of things I haven't been through who are down the road ahead of me in other ways. And then there's this whole youth ministry mafia guys behind me who not always, but at different times, I feel like every one of them has been the Timothy I'm pouring life into, and they give it back to me as well. My son Brendan is doing things that I'm going, oh yeah, why didn't I do that? This kid's a genius, thank you God. You know, so yeah. I'm even learning from these guys behind me. So I think that that's a big part of it. Mentoring goes both ways, but we've got to be constantly thinking about putting those people in our life, because otherwise it's not gonna happen naturally. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, um, as you uh, think about uh, your legacy and kind of your longevity at Conejo Valley, um, you you've actually transitioned now into a spiritual formation role, mm-hmm. um, and we're so thankful that you still prioritize things like teen camp and things. I think you're a great model of that. How uh, adolescent ministry is not a section of the church it it is the mission of the church and that right. our students are uh you know this is something we harp on so often is like they're not the church of tomorrow they are the church of now too you right. know and so we we want them to be full participants and so you know we appreciate your um kind of leadership in that but you've brought on a, a youth minister a replacement mm-hmm. and you're still at the church and right. um you're you're mentoring but also you know, totally get empowering him to lead. And, um, and so I just wanted to ask you how, how that, how you see practices of healthy transition. So you don't have to use specific examples necessarily, but, but talk a little bit about how a youth minister who's served at a church faithfully for 25 plus years, um, can make that healthy transition and, and how that might be kind of a model for other transitions people make in their life. Yeah, I think it's for us. It was pretty simple. I mean, um, uh, I'm I'm pretty on this kind of stuff. I'm pretty simple-minded. If it gets complicated, forget it. <laughs> Keep it simple, and then you can make it work. And so, I've always had the thought in mind that discipleship is that you know that simple process of I'm doing something, and if I want you to learn to do it, then I want you to come watch me do it. Then we'll do it together. Then I want you to do it, and you go. And so, Travis and I a- attacked it that way. He came in, and I said, "Let me tell you." Here's what I've done for the last 30 years, uh, or 20 years by the time he came in, whatever that time frame was. And, and I said, here are the, the traditions and the things that, that kind of hold the year together. Here are the things we've always done. These are the sacred cows that if you change this in the first year, they're probably gonna kill you. Um, but I want you to make these your own. So this first year, let's walk through this together. And then there are other things that he said, I think this needs to change. And I said, yeah, I don't think that's that big of a deal. And I'll have your back when you change it. And so he would make a change. And if anybody started to rise up, he went, wait, 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 there's a new youth minister. I'm there to have his back to walk through that change. Mm-hmm. And, and to be honest, there were a couple of those that I was like, oh man, that's my baby. You're killing my baby. But I had to realize, no, <laughs> is this, that maybe the baby's grown up and needs to go to college. It's time to throw him out the nest. Or, or maybe he died two years ago and I just didn't know it. I wouldn't let go. And so, you know, but Travis could see that and make the change. And it's, it, 
it challenged my humility to allow him to rise up. But I, again, I keep going back to the text. And this sounds arrogant, but I didn't feel arrogant about it at all. It was John the Baptist saying, he must increase, I must decrease. Yeah. And so as the youth minister, he needed to step into that role. And he needed to see people taking in the lead. And the hardest thing, no matter, I, you know, a guy who's been here 25 years and somebody steps in and the guy is still there, who wants to do that? Mm -hmm. So I realized how difficult this could be for him if I wasn't praying to make myself the most gracious I could be. And that helped that transition. So the first year, we kind of did all these things together. The second year, um, he did them mostly and I was there supporting. Now we're in the third year, we just finished the third year, where he took it all. And he's made some significant changes. Mm. And I've been his greatest cheerleader in those changes. And um, I come along and walk beside him and say, Travis is awesome, this is great, he's doing good. And he is, and it's going well, and people are, are coming along and lining up with it. So I really think it makes a big difference when you're not trying to you know, maintain this kingdom you've built for how many years it was. Right. Um, but you've gotta be generous and realize that the Holy Spirit uh, is bigger than you are and has been doing greater things than you could do on your own your entire ministry so why wouldn't he do even greater things when there are two of you work in the same direction and I get to step back and figure out now what is it that I really want to do hmm. because I'm not doing the junior high lock-in or because I'm not going on this retreat or because you know where what can I do for the church that would be an added bonus of me being here and that's been a challenge and sometimes I've even pushed that to Travis and say what do you think I should be doing and that's been a good give and take back and forth hmm. One of the things that's helped that at Conejo is, you said this whole thing about they're not the church of tomorrow, the church of the day. We banished that whole phrase years ago and we said they're the church. Mm -hmm. They're the church, we're the church. Everything we do is family ministry. There is no ministry that doesn't affect some family, so families are involved in everything. Right. And so we collaborate on children's ministry, youth ministry, whole church events. Our teens are integral to what we're doing. Mm. They're in the worship service. They're doing all that kind of stuff. Everything we do as much as possible, we're all together, but they still have their separate times because as much as teens need to be in with and connecting with adults, differentiation is real. They need it. So they need to break away and do their own stuff. So we've got a good balance there. And mm -hmm. uh, um, our children's minister, youth minister, our preaching minister, myself and Travis all work together on most projects that come around. So that's, uh, awesome. that's a big key. Yeah, and, uh, and I was thinking about, you know, pretty much the, the reason that I bring somebody on a podcast because in some way they've added value to my life. Mm. And so I hope for the few people that listen to these podcasts um, that I can pass on, you know, things that it's like the, these people have added value to my life and the conversation hopefully adds value to the listener. Mm. Um, and one of the things I remember capturing on video of you actually one time right after a mafia meeting was just to share a nugget, something that you had talked with me about a philosophy of yours in ministry it made it into some of my papers you were mm. quoted um, <laughs> so that you had got credit but I, I think it's really helpful and I'd love for you just to unpack it a little bit um, and it's your your philosophy of ministry is to create positive memories and tie them to Christ exactly so unpack that um, yeah. you yeah. Know, real quickly for us yeah no I uh, again I like things to be simple so that's a shorthand and so um, I came to the church here. Well, I did this youth ministry for a long time. And now I, I said, let's do this with the whole church. Let's think about our church calendar. What can we do that will, that will make people look back on last year and go, that was fun, or that was great, or that was good. If you can make these moments that stand out to them as positive memories, be tied to what God is doing with the church, 
it's a win-win. And so that's become a major part of my ministry philosophy. So when, for instance, in youth ministry, it meant every fundraiser that we did for a mission trip, I wanted to be a fun blowout blast for the church. And the kids got to pull it off and the, the church felt good about them and everybody remembered it and it was fun. Um, now we do crazy things on Sunday mornings sometimes because you know I, I want to um, uh, have a monologue of Moses up there talking like Gene Wilder from an old movie called Frisco Kid. And he's going off, you've got to believe it, I stood in front of Moses, oh, there's God, there's a burning bush, and he was out of it. And here's this guy being crazy, and people are laughing, and the, Moses, the story of Moses is told at the burning bush, and people are going, now that was hilarious, do you remember that day? And now, what did you learn from that day? That Moses stood with God and gave every excuse in the book, and God said, I don't care, I can overcome your excuses, I'm there with you. And they begin to learn and listen because of that, that laughter and those memories. And I think if we approach ministry in that way and say, let's build positive memories instead of let's get away to church every Sunday morning. Let's, let's do all the hard prayer that there are places for that, but mostly let's figure out how to get a church to enjoy and have fun together. One of our favorite things is called all sing and ice cream. It's just one Sunday in the middle of the summer where everybody brings in ice cream and uh, we've all done homemade ice cream and we sing for like an hour straight and then we just eat ice cream together. And that's an old school, old fashioned idea, but we've turned it into a giant party in the backyard that little kids can't wait and they will drag their parents to be there. I have to have ice cream. So families are coming and they're yeah. bringing friends and you're the church that has ice cream in the backyard, yeah. And so that's a positive memory that is tied to Christ. And I want our children growing up with a whole basket full of these. I want our old people growing up with our young people remembering, or them remembering our young people and loving this. Another example, for an announcement for some big thing we're doing, we had the kids do a, um, uh, a, a, what's it called? When the crowd takes off all of a sudden and things happen and- Oh, a flash uh, mob? There we go. We did a flash mob to La Bamba on a Sunday morning for an announcement about a Mexico mission and had a couple grandmas get up and start in the conga line with our teenagers. They laugh, they had a great time. Everybody's like, but this is the worship service. Well, it is. <laughs> so come on, La Bamba, let's, let's phrase this together. And we're an acapella church, you know. It's, yeah. it's building those positive memories so they look back and go, look, our grandmas can dance with our teenagers in the middle of a worship service. We don't do that every Sunday, but at the same time, it's okay to do that when it makes sense because this is a place where we love each other and have fun. If people will remember that about your church, they're going to come to you in times of crisis when the doors open to find help from Christ. And so, I, does that make sense? That's kind of yeah. that's the kind of thing we look at. How can you build those positive memories and tie them to Christ so they remember and hang on in the, in the tough times? Yeah. Um, so, you know, as we are kind of coming to the end of our time, we probably need to get back to um, hanging with kids and doing all of that. Um, just so appreciated the time that we've had together. I have. You know, just kind of one one question. We've we've been talking a lot about echoes uh, here mm -hmm. at uh, mm -hmm. at camp, and we're listening to God, listening for God's voice. And today we were challenged, though, not just to be listeners, but um, as James would encourage us, not to just listen to the word, but do what it says. Mm -hmm. um, so, what are some practices that have added value to your life over the years? Um, yeah, you talk you talk about doing and. Um, I can tell you a lot of things that we do, but I, there, there's one thing behind the, that. I was blessed to be in a class with Dallas Willard, and um, uh, someone asked him, what is the number one spiritual uh, practice that, that has changed your life? And man, my pen was ready. Give me some of the deep stuff. Yeah. And he said, 
I every morning and every night I, I recite and pray through either Psalm 23 or the Lord's Prayer and he stopped and I went what <laughs> I'm looking for something I can use come on I know those two I have them memorized and he said that's all I do it's changed my life and I walked out going okay wow I paid too much for this class uh, <laughs> but then I thought okay come on try it and for the next year and for a long time since then uh, most mornings I pray through the Psalm 23 or pray through the Lord's Prayer in the morning and at night and I found that I have not yet found the bottom of those passages that they feed me so deeply uh, the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want I spent weeks and months on that one phrase I shall not want because we end up wanting all kinds of things mm -hmm. if God is my shepherd he's getting everything I need there's nothing that I should want and and really what that phrase means is I will not be in a position of not having what I need he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters no sheep lays down in green pastures without a full belly no sheep is by still waters and and, and worried about you know not having what they need and the very next thing it says and he restores my soul so it, I could go through the whole thing for you but but those have become so powerful and important that they echo and ring back and I find that those messages just come through and Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount giving this Lord's Prayer I, I truly believe and I could talk about this for a long time if you want but Psalm 23 is actually the answer to the prayer that Jesus prays hmm. your kingdom come your will be done on earth that is as it is in heaven I think Jesus meant that he wants his kingdom to happen here and if God's kingdom is happening here we are sheep with a shepherd who gives us everything hmm. the two work together so well and I find that happening after practicing that for a long time. I, I see more and more lines and connections through Scripture than anywhere else. And it drives me not to just sit with the Word, but to get out and do it and to make a difference and to love on people and to say, you know, these things you're chasing, these things you think you want, you don't really want them or, or they're not going to be good for you. Let's talk about what, what God is doing. Or let's talk about how to bring God's kingdom. When I come to my church and say we're going to go and tutor at this elementary school or we're going to go reach out to these people who are hurting we're not just doing it because it's something good we're doing it because jesus prayed let your kingdom come and will be done on earth as it is in heaven in god's kingdom all these people will be taken care of and that's up to us to make it happen let's bring this thing home hmm. so that those two simple passages drive my ethic more than anything else hmm. and credit goes to dallas Willard. yeah and, and i mean i think it's uh you've you've kind of helped us think through how simplicity is key um and and in many ways dallas was simple in his practices um i wish his books were a little simpler to read oh believe me but um, he, he talked like he writes and it was fun to yeah <laughs> to listen to i bet it. i bet but it was it was a real blessing and that's that's what i find about god the longer i live the longer i'm in ministry it's the simple things that i don't completely understand that I need to dive into again because there's more depth there. Hmm. Well, thank you, Jack, so much for taking your time out to, to be on Value Add with us. Um, we're going to definitely have you back on because I want to try and do a, a little bit of like a shotgun thing where we do kind of around around the circle with like three or four of oh, us. Oh, that'd be fun. And we would do like a minute each or something. So you'll be back on the podcast okay. uh, at least a few more times, I'm sure, as uh, God great. bless that. Um, so. Have a great week and get some rest after team camp. Yeah, thanks Lars.
Thanks for tuning in to Value Add. For more great conversations and insights, visit valueaddconversations.com.